Well, music's been an integral part of our church, and uh, next Sunday night we're going to make available to the church the purchase of the new choir first and new choir CD that's been produced, and we've heard it's a blessing, and some of what you've heard today is on that, and that'll be a blessing for you. I want to take a moment to introduce Brother Kluth. Is Brother Kluth still here? Brother Kluth, if you can stand. Brother Kluth has been with Dr. Gid for 20 years at Christian Law Association, and we were privileged to have him give the lesson this morning for adult Bible classes. Brother Kluth, thank you so much for your help to our church. And this morning, it's my honor and privilege, I'll say more tonight, but it's my honor and privilege to have as our special preacher this morning, Dr. David Gibbs. Dr. Gibbs has been the founder of this Christian Law Association well over 40 years. God has used him to crisscross this country in preaching the gospel. He's a lawyer, but he's a preacher first. Amen. And we're thankful for the message God's laying us. Our brother Gibbs, you come and preach away. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, thank you for all that wonderful, wonderful music and the incredible spirit that you dear folks have brought with your singing. I've said this everywhere I go. I think in America, it should be perfectly legal to shoot a bad choir. (laughs) You ought to just be able to stand up and put them out of their misery. And you say, why? Because a choir can dig a hole that no preacher can get out of. I love hearing your choir. And, and, And Mrs. Fong, thank you for that incredible, incredible music. And I'm an old trumpet player from way back, so I enjoy watching these uh, young men and all these dear folks with their instruments. I always tell the young ladies, you want to check out the trumpet players because they make great kissers later in life. They... Now, don't marry a tuba player because no telling, they might blow your brains out, all right? But thank you for all this incredible music and the wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship. I want to reiterate what Pastor said. We owe honor. The Bible says honor to whom honor is due. We owe incredible honor to the Fongs, unspeakable. But it's not the Fongs who did this. It's God who did this through the Fongs. And the greatest days of this ministry lie not in the past 20 years. But if the Lord tarries his coming... The greatest days of this ministry lie ahead. God didn't give you these facilities and this opportunity just so that you'd have a beautiful place to fellowship. He gave you this so that you could absolutely use this for his honor and his glory. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 And we're going to read together out loud verse 13. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible makes an incredible statement. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't do one thing to please God without faith. Doesn't say it's unlikely, doesn't say it's difficult. It says it is impossible. Faith is how you get saved, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Taking God at his word and putting your trusting assurance in it, that's faith. But God says there's something for his children that exceeds the value of faith. And we're about to read it. 
First Corinthians 13, verse 13. Read it aloud, please. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Father, please speak to hearts. God, if these dear people forget every word that I've said, that's not of consequence. May we never forget what the eternal word of God says. May it burn into the fabric of our souls this morning. We want to hear from heaven. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this great church. But now, Father, speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says, now abide of faith. There's that thing that you can't do without. Hope. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. But then the Bible uses the word charity. And the word charity is the word agape. It's the word for love. It's the word for a divine love that only God can produce. And God says between faith and between hope, God says the greatest is charity. Now, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. How can something be greater than faith? Without faith, we can't do one thing to please you. But God says, now there's something greater. And that's charity. Agape. The word agape is the love that only God can produce. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word for love there is the word agape. It's the love of God. And God says, I want you to show this world the love of God. Not the love that man can produce, but the love that only God can produce through you. Now, there's three words in the Bible, and listen carefully to this. There's three words in the Bible for love. And we live in a culture, we live in a world that's enamored with the word love. I walked in a motel the other day, getting ready to check in, and they said, Oh, we love you, we love you, we're so glad you're here, we love you. They don't even know me. They don't love me, they love my credit card. That's what they love. But we love to use the word love. Listen to these three words. The first word for love is the word eris. That's the word for a physical attraction. That's the word for what draws you physically to somebody. A young man gets interested in a young lady and he says, I think maybe I'm falling in love. Well, he just may be erasing. It's a physical attraction. When the world uses the word love, this is the word they use about 90% of the time. I'm attracted to you. The problem with Eris, and God never commands Eris, the problem is what you're initially attracted to may change. And then one day you wake up and you say, boy, what, what I was attracted to isn't here anymore. And so all of a sudden they say, I guess I don't love you anymore. It's a fleeting, highly volatile 
easy to lose love. And God's not commanding you to eros. We get the word erotic from it. The second word in the Bible for love is the word filio. That's the love of just a nice person. And we get the word philanthropic from it, of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. If you ever met somebody, they may not be saved, but they're nice. They say, what a sweet person, what a nice person, what a loving person. It's just the love of a nice person. Now, the problem with that love is it's easy to be a nice person if people are nice to you. But what happens when somebody isn't nice to you, who treats you poorly, who treats you bad? I'm always amazed when I'm out here on your freeways. Uh, How many of you know your traffic here can try your faith? How many of you are aware of that? (laughs) My goodness. Uh, I, I love how the people drive. He with the nastiest attitude goes first. <laughs> and you say, you're telling me that... No, see, the problem with filio is as long as people are nice, it's easy to be nice. But what happens when they're not? Well, then comes this word, agape. Now, this is not a love you can produce. This is a love that only God can produce through you. When you read Galatians chapter 5, and it says, walk in the Spirit, and then it tells you the fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit of the Spirit is this word, agape. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith. Have you got this love? The love that is not of you, it's of God through you. When someone comes to this church, what love do they see? Oh, I know what love your pastor does because, man, I've witnessed it for years. It's a love that God produces. But if I got that in my life, have you got that in yours? And God says this love is so important that if you're a child of God, and how many of you here know the Lord is your personal Savior? Hold your hand up. Well, if you're a child of God, God says this exceeds the value of faith. Now, he gives us a warning. Turn to verse 1 of chapter 13. He gives us a warning. He says, without this love, I just want to warn you, your Christian life will be hollow. Verse 1, chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, there's the word agape again, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Do you know what sounding brass was, a tinkling cymbal? It was the irritating noise that merchants made in the marketplace. It's the noise they make to get your attention. If you go in the old parts of Jerusalem and all through the Mideast there, they still do it. They screech and they howl and they make noises. It's like fingers on a blackboard. But what they want to do is irritate so you come do business with them. That irritating noise. Have you ever had somebody pull up to you next to you in your car and the music in their car is just blasting away and it's irritating? 
You know what God says? If you don't have this love child of God, all you're going to be is an irritating noise in this world. And it's not the world that said that. It's God that said that. God said you'll be an irritating noise. Look at the second thing he says. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, boy, under 9 is X, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not agape charity, say out loud the next three words, I am nothing. I wonder how many days I've been a nothing. I wonder how many days you've been a nothing. This love wasn't there. Oh, yeah, but I I did things for God. God says, you do it without this love. You're nothing but an irritating noise. And you're a nothing. Look at the third thing he says. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity agape, it profiteth me nothing. How much giving did I do that never counted because it wasn't done with love this love is vital now turn to John please the book of John John chapter 13 I want you to make sure you understand how critical this is it's a command from the lips of Jesus John chapter 13 verse 34 Jesus to his disciples and his followers, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And the word love there is the word agape. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Then he says, By this love shall all men know ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus said, This love is going to let the whole world know who you belong to. Would anybody around you say, that woman has something? That woman has the love of God through her. That man has something. The love of God. Or would we have to tell them, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. I've been preaching on this love lately because I find so little of it in our nation. How many of you figured out that there's not a lot of love in Washington right now? How many of you figured that one out? Mercy. But I don't see it across America. And God's people are to be the picture of this. Now remember, you can't produce this love, but the Holy Spirit in you can. You have the ability to do it, but you have to pull the decision trigger to do it. Now he gives us some benchmarks. Go back to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And I want you to look at verse 4 for two of the benchmarks. The first thing he says, if you have this love, charity, this love, agape, suffereth long. 
Now, if you're only going to hear one thing, please hear this. Suffereth long means you can't wear it out. You cannot wear it out. That's it. I've had it. I'm sick and tired. I've put up with too much already. Who in the world do you think you are? I've already let this go on way too long. I'm done. I'm out of it. This love never says that. You can't wear this love out. Oh, you can wear out Eris in a heartbeat, and you can wear out Filio quickly, but you can never wear out the love of God. Mom, have you got that love? Dad, have you got that love? The love of God. God says more important than faith. Nothing can wear it out. A young couple was called to the mission field in Ecuador. Elizabeth and Jim Elliott. But they were called to a particular mission field. They wanted to go reach the headhunters, the killers. No one was going after them. The oil companies had all pulled out of Ecuador back in the jungles where the headhunters were because the headhunters were so savage. They figured out with their spears how to bring the choppers down by foiling the blades. They would throw them up and they'd make them crash. And then they'd eat the oil workers. And the oil companies finally said enough and pulled out. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot said, We want to show them the love of God. They need to know Christ. Well, they set off for Ecuador. When they got there, Elizabeth is pregnant with their first child. And Jim teams up with a man by the name of Nate Saint. And Nate can fly an airplane, a little airplane, and they're going back up into the jungles to try to find these savage heathens, the headhunters. And finally, the headhunters showed themselves. And they feigned friendship, and they got Jim Elliott and Nate Saint to come down and land their airplane on a beach there. And when they did, they turned savage. And they grabbed the men, and they killed them. Only they didn't kill them quickly. What they did was they roasted them over a fire for 10 days, making them wish they were dead. Then they cruelly took their lives. The word came back to the mission headquarters that her husband had been killed. Here's Elizabeth Elliot carrying a child. They said to her, Elizabeth, do you want to leave the field? Do you want to go to another field? Do you want to go home? What do you want to do? She said, no, I want to reach these people that killed my husband. They said, Elizabeth, they're savage. They said, we knew that before we came, but we love them. What do you mean you love them? These are unspeakably cruel people, brutal people. You can't wear this love out. 
It's the love of God. How many of you are thankful you can't wear the love of God out? How many of you are thankful for that? I had the privilege to speak on the same platform with Elizabeth Elliot many times. And I said, Miss Elliot, were you not afraid? Oh, she said, I was terrified. But we love them. And you can't wear this love out. Have you got that love? They said, well, if you're going to go back up into the jungle, we'll send the army with you. And she said, no, we don't want to do that. They'll just flee into the forest. You'll never find them. She said, I just want to go with some missionaries. And in they went. They found the tribe that killed her husband. And when they got there, her presence terrified the headhunters. They said, where do you get the power to stand in front of us? Do you not understand how fierce we are, how powerful we are? Do you not understand what we did to your husband? She said, I understand. But I'm here to tell you that my God loves you and I love you. Whoa. They didn't know what to do with that. She said, I love you. And they said, for 10 days while we killed your husband, that's all he kept saying. That Jesus loves us and he loves us. We couldn't make him stop saying it. What does it take to make you stop saying it? Nothing can wear this love out. Elizabeth Elliot led the chief of that village, the man that spearheaded the martyrdom of her own husband. She led that man to Christ. He's now the pastor of the Baptist church there. I had the privilege to meet him a couple times on platforms. And I said, you killed her husband? She said, we had no defense against their love. We understood fear. In fact, once they led us to Christ, they wanted to go upriver to the headhunters we feared. And we said, don't go up there. They're really bad. We're bad, but they're really bad. And she said, but we love them. She said, this love. And he said, the reason I'm standing here saved is because somebody showed me that love. Would anybody around you, would anybody around me see that love? It won't be there by accident. You won't wake up one morning and just find it. You say, well, it happened in the night. No, no, no. This is a decision. You are commanded to walk in the Spirit. You are commanded, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye love one another. But if you won't accept that command and make the decision to obey it, this ability will lay dormant. A man wrote a letter about our ministry. It was terrible. It was a number of years ago. 
and it was completely untrue. But he wrote this letter, never having talked to us, and he sent it out to all across the country, and suddenly my friends are calling saying, this isn't true, is it? And I said, no, it's not true. But I got ticked off. How many of you understand the word ticked off, right? And I got mad, and I decided to get even. And so I said, you want to play word games? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going out of town this weekend. When I come back on Monday, I'm going to sue you once a day, every day, for 30 straight days. Every morning, I'm going to put another lawsuit down your pipes. I'm going to make you regret the day you were born. And I felt great. How many of you all have been ticked off before? How many? How many of you know the world's full of irritating people? How many of you figured that out? Yeah. How many of you got some in your own family? Hold your hand up, would you? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to one right now? They're everywhere. This guy irritated me. I got upset. Well, I came back into town on Monday, and I'm, I'm telling you, I feel great. I've got the outlines all done for all the things we're going to sue him for, and I just feel great. And by the way, I mean, that weekend I preached in a church, and between my messages I'm outlining how I'm going to get him. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> He started it. <laughs> I got back into the office about 10 in the morning, and I go to my office on Monday. And as I walk in the door, there's my secretary, Mrs. Block. Now, she's in heaven now, but Mrs. Block has been to this church. Dear lady. And as I came walking in the door, she said, Brother Gibbs, I saw that letter. I said, yeah. She said, that's awful. I said, yeah. She said, that's untrue. She said, I've been here over 20 years. Not one bit of that is true. I said, I know. She said, well, I know what you're going to do. I said, yeah, surely I got it all figured out. And I showed her all my outlines. I said, I'm going to sue him once a day, every day for 30 straight days, maybe more. She said, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to love him. And do good to him and bless him, aren't you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> right after I get even. <laughs> now she quotes by heart. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. She quotes Matthew 5 to me. I'm sorry, Matthew, yeah, Matthew 5, verse 43. She quotes these two verses to me. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, say out loud the next three words, Love your enemy. Say them out loud again. Love your enemies. 
There is no such thing as a good Christian who doesn't obey them. Doesn't say put up with them. And the word love there is the word agape. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. She quotes it to me. And when she did, I didn't say this out loud, but I promise you I thought it. I said, Lord, right now I do not need a Christian secretary. I just don't. And I really don't need one that knows the Bible. Wow. She said, Brother Gibbs, if you do all the stuff to him, you're thinking, you'd be worse than he is. I said, surely that's the whole idea. She said, you can't do that. She said, the God you serve forbids it and commands you to love him. She said, promise me you won't sue him. I said, okay. I'm standing there thinking, how did my day get so messed up? I mean, I came in here, I'm just set to roll. Lawsuits are going to fly, and now I run into this godly lady. David, you remember Shirley, and I'm like, what am I going to do? She said, well, I knew you'd want to tell him you love him because it's commanded. So when you pulled up, I dialed him on the phone. And he's on the phone right now. So you can tell him you love him. Wait a minute, three minutes ago, I'm going to sue him. <laughs> now I'm going to tell him I love him. And I look down and line five is just blinking away. So she reaches down and picks up the phone. And she was from West Virginia, but she had Italian in her background. And when she wanted you to do something, she'd say, tell him you love him. And I looked at her and I said, leave me alone. <laughs> Now, I want to tell you something. Maybe this is all easy for you. But you know what I found most people have done? They just don't do it. You are commanded by the God you serve to love your enemies. With an agape love. She hands me the phone. And she's going like this. And I said, hello. That's all I said. Hello. The guy cussed me out. This so-called religious leaver cussed at me. I said, you hear that, Shirley? Let's go back to once a day, every day for 30 straight days. Once I've made him regret the day he's born, then we'll love him. She said, tell him you love him. He finally stopped cussing, and I said, I just called to tell you I love you. And he said, you don't mean that. And I thought, boy, are you dead right. (laughs) I'm struggling. The greatest battle you'll have with anybody is never between you and them. 
the greatest battle you'll ever have with anybody is between you and you. I said, I want to tell you something to this man. I said, you're a bad guy. You've done me a lot of harm wrongfully. But I'm worse than you. I was going to destroy you. But I ran into a Christian secretary this morning who reminded me it's forbidden. And I'm commanded by God to love you and to bless you. And I said, I I don't know how, but if there's something I can do and it's in my power to be a blessing to you, you tell me I'll do it. He said, you mean that? I said, I do mean it. Now, the greatest of these is charity. Are you ready to be what God's commanded you to be? I'm not a morning person. How many of you struggle with mornings like I do? How many of you like my dear wife? You just bound out of bed. Ought to be legal to shoot you, okay? <laughs> it's quarter to six, 5.45, I believe. I'm getting on an airplane in the morning. And they put a new interior in this plane, and they've downsized the seats. <laughs> And the seats weren't big before, but now they're tiny. And I'm looking at the seats and I'm thinking, man, once I'm wedged into that, I will not need a seat belt. I just won't. Turn this baby upside down. I won't go anywhere. I'm I'm wedged in. And as bad as the seats are this way is this way. I mean, if the guy in front of you leans back, you could brush his teeth for him. I mean, he's, he's in your lap. I walk back to my row and there's a flight attendant standing there. People are getting in their seats. And I didn't say one word about her. I commented on the seats. I looked at her and I said, these are the most puny seats I've ever seen. That's what I said. She lit off. I said, these are the most puny seats I've ever seen. She said, well, you could lose weight, you know. And that quick I got mad. She said, you could lose weight. You know, I said, you know what? You're right and you could get prettier. I said, you are one of the most seriously cosmetically challenged people I've ever met. I said, I know how to tell you this, but when you fell out of the tree, you didn't miss a branch, not a branch. Now the people around me are clapping. A businessman there got his pen out and he said, say it again, I'll write all that down. And he said, where'd you get that? I'll tell you where I got it. The devil gave it to me. I am commanded to love that lady. So are you. But I lost it. Now she goes huffing off, and I'm on my way to do a trial in Oregon. And that night I'm going to preach in a Bible conference, and I'm starting that day with no love. Isn't it amazing? God be with me. God help me. 
God, please anoint what I'm trying to do. And at the same time, you're sinning. No love. I'm putting my coat up overhead in the overhead compartment. And some tracks just slid out. And I picked them up, went to put them back. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, probably not a good time to give her one. I want you to hear me. We're almost done. This world doesn't care what you have to say. If they can't see something in you that's of God. By this, this love shall all men know that you're my disciples. I went back up by her and I said, I want to tell you I'm sorry. I... uh, Broke God's heart when I said that to you. She said, you're apologizing to me. I said, I am. And I said, I want to give you this gospel track. Please don't hold me against it. Have you got the love of God? Have you made the decision by God's grace, I'm going to have this love and show this love? Look at the next thing he says. It suffereth long and is kind. You can't hide kind. You say, well, I'm kind. It just doesn't show. You can't hide kind. Mom, would the kids say, Mom, boy, does she have this love. Dad, boy, does he have this love. Would my staff say, boy, does Brother Gibbs have this love. If you ran with me this next week, would you say, boy, is that love there? Is that kindness there? Would anybody around you? Now, you're not going to find it in the world. But as a child of God, it's the first fruit of the Spirit is this love. I checked in a motel, and it was uh, very late. About 3.30, quarter to 4 in the morning, I think. And I told the girl I got to be down 7.30 at court that morning. And I went up to my room, a nice motel, but something happened. I had no water in my motel, none. No water in the sink, no water in the shower, no water in the commode. Never been in a room with no water. And I called down to the front desk, and I said, I don't to tell you this, but there's no water up here. And what the girl said troubled me. She said, I know. Now, I don't know what she should have said, but when she said, I know, my legal hair just stood up. I said, what do you mean you know? She said, it's the only room in the whole place with no water. I said, really? She said, it wasn't going to be your room. It was another guy's room, but he was so mad about no water. We gave him your room and you this room. Because you were so late in coming, we didn't think you were coming. I'm supposed to love her and be kind. I said, young lady, you owe your mother an apology for the day you were born. (laughs) Good night. I said, how do you give me a room with no water? 
And I just lit off. After a minute or so, I said, you still there? She said, yeah, I'm still here. I said, you got anything to say? She said, well, I got one thing to say since you asked. I said, yeah, what? She said, I go to a Bible college where you come preach every year. (laughs) She said, when you were in my home church, you signed my Bible and I helped support your ministry a little each month. That's all I got. I said, hey, you knew I was kidding, right? (laughs) I said, I don't need water. Who needs water? (laughs) I was just funning you. Now, you hear me and I'm done. Without this love, you'll make a fool of yourself and you'll make a fool of God. You will be an embarrassment to God. I went down to the front desk, literally got on my knees, and I said, young lady, I am so sorry. What I did to you, I'd never want someone to do to my wife or daughter. I was completely out of place. She said, oh, no, it's my fault. I said, and by the way, it's never okay to stop loving because of what the other guy does. Never. You can't wear this love out. I said, I am so sorry. About a year later, I'm in her home church. And I came walking in, and the pastor said, good to see you. He said, you know, a girl in our church said you stayed at a motel where she was working. And I decided to play stupid. How many of you know what that is, right? I said, oh, really? I said, where's that now? And he told me, he said, you remember it? I said, yeah, I think maybe I do. He said, that girl in our church told me a little about it. I said, really, what'd she say? Just how much she loves you and appreciates you. What a thrill it was for her to help get you to court in the morning. I said, that's all she said? He said, yeah. I said, Preacher, let me tell you what I did to her. And I told her pastor the story. I said, I said cruel things to her. When this love isn't there, you'll say cruel things. I said, she didn't tell you any of that? He said, Brother Gibbs, she loves you too much to do that. All she did was say how much she loves you. He said, by the way, she's an orphan. She has no idea who her birth mother is or what her birthday is. And when you told her she owed her mother an apology for the day she was born, you must have cut her to the quick. But she loved you back. Hmm. I told her, preacher, I want to be like her. How's your love life? Can you say the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit? I want that love that nothing can wear out. And it's always kind.
You want to know how good a Christian you are? What does it take to make you be not kind? That's as good as we are. In closing, look at the last verse again, verse 13. Chapter 13. Now by the faith, hope, charity, agape, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. But then look at verse number 1 in chapter 14. Follow after charity. That word follow there was the word for a passion pursuit. God said to his people, I want you to get this. I want you to have this. Without this, you're nothing but an irritating noise. Without this, though you have all faith, it profits nothing. God says this is a priority. Follow after agape charity. This church is here to show the world Jesus Christ. To show them how they can have eternal life. Their sins forgiven because of what Jesus did when he died and paid the price for their sins. This church is here so that people by faith can know the day they die. They can know with an assurance because of what the Bible promises. They can know that heaven's their home. But now that you're saved, this church is here so that we can show the love of God to this world. A love you can't wear out, and it's always kind. You say, well, this is easy for me, Brother Gibbs. I'm just naturally that way. I doubt it, but I know I'm not. I have to keep reminding myself. Stop it. I want the love of God to control. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, and you say, what do you mean by that? If this was going to be the last day you had on the planet, if at sundown you were going to be in eternity, your life here is ended, where would you be forever? Now, I hope you live a long time. But I'm amazed how quick life goes by. Nobody has a lease on tomorrow. And if you say, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, the Bible says that each and every one of us, because of sin in our lives, has an appointment with God the day we die. Every one of us. And the question here is, Are you going to accept what Jesus did when he paid for your sins? On that cross, he didn't die for what he did wrong. He died for what I did wrong. He died for what you did wrong. And would you be willing to trust Christ and receive what the Bible calls the gift of God? My wife, the first time she heard the gospel, I'll never forget what she said. We were in high school. And she said, I want that gift. I want that. I thought you had to work your way to heaven. No, the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can leave here knowing that you have the gift of God. 
You say, but I didn't come to join this church. It has nothing to do with joining a church. It has everything to do with calling on Jesus and asking him to save you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every person here who's heaven bound has done that. Yeah, but what about all kinds of other faiths? The Bible says very clearly there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Whoa. Would you want to know that heaven's your home? No one will ever be able to leave here and say, I didn't have a chance. There was no way they could explain it to me. Oh, I promise you, you can leave here knowing your sins are forgiven, heaven's your home, and the Spirit of God takes residence in you. That's what the Bible says. Well, Brother Gibbs, I've done that. That it's time for you to show the love of God to this world. The love that nothing can wear out. The love that's always kind. It's a 20th anniversary. But it's time for us to do an examination. Would I be what I'm commanded to be? A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. It's time for you to decide. Bow your heads. Father, thank you. Oh, Father, I pray for the ones that are here. That are not sure that heaven's their home. They have an uneasiness. They have a doubt. God, this morning, they can leave here knowing. Absolutely knowing. Their sins are forgiven. And God, I pray for the Christians that are here. Father, forgive us. Where we've been so casual with the love that you command. The love that can't be worn out. The love that is always kind. God, forgive me. Forgive us where we've been negligent with that. Without it, we're nothing. Heads are bowed. How many of you say, Brother Gibbs, I know the Lord. I'm heaven bound. But boy, God spoke to my heart this morning. And I want that love resonating in my life as never before. It's commanded. And I want that. My heart's been touched. If that's true, Christian, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand high. Hold it high. Praise the Lord. Take your hand down. I wonder if there's one here that would say, I'm not sure heaven is my home. Oh, my friend, I'm so thankful you're here. You're about to have the privilege to meet the Savior. You can know. Brother Gibbs, I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want to know heaven's my home. Now, I'll not embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Would you let me pray for you? I'm not sure heaven's my home, but I want it to be. Slip your hand up right now, right where you're seated. Just high enough for me to see your hand. God bless you. Who else? Anyone else? Oh my, nothing can take the place of this. It takes a moment of honesty, of some integrity. Who else? Pray for me, David. Please, I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Father, you saw the hands of God's people. And you saw the hand of this dear, precious one. 
You saw the hand of this one right now. Oh, Father, by your grace, we want to do what honors heaven. Hear the cry of our heart right now in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together. You raised your hand and said, God spoke to my heart as a Christian. I want you to step out and come to this altar. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. You come right now. I raised my hand. I meant it when I did. You come right now. I want this love. Don't you hesitate. I raised my hand because God spoke to my heart. You come. You raised your hand and said, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you just step up here and let us pray with you? Oh, please come and let us pray with you. Nothing but nothing can change eternity but Jesus Christ. Oh, we want you to know him as your personal Savior. One more verse. God spoke to my heart. That's why I raised my hand as a Christian. No one does what's right when they leave if we don't do what's right when the Lord comes summons our heart. Oh, would you come? I didn't raise my hand, but David, I want to know heaven. I want to know my sins are forgiven. You come right now. Pastor. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We needed that this morning. Friend, today we need to understand that We need to love like God loves. We need to put blinders up and stop being irritated and distracted, offended and hurt. And realize Jesus walked that old rugged hill, spat upon, reviled, scorned, reeled upon, called everything humanly unimaginable. He did that for you and me. Christ offers the gift of eternal life. It's a gift, not a work. It's a gift to be received. God's love is unconditional. God's love reaches out today. Many this morning, you responded because God touched you through a passage that is so simple to understand, but very difficult to obey. On the cusp of our 20th anniversary, let's love like Jesus loved. Would you give your love to serve Him? To go to the mission field? And maybe today, like some who have raised their hand to indicate their need for Christ, they need to receive that love so their sins can be forgiven. Father, this morning, thank you for speaking through Dr. Gibbs. We needed that today. And on this 20th anniversary, we're so thankful for the love of God that reached down. And for perhaps a good majority of everyone here today, they've accepted your son, Jesus Christ, as Savior. And thank you, there are some here today who, as recent as yesterday, have trusted Christ as their Savior. They're saved and going to heaven. And others today who are being counseled with and guided through the Word of God of receiving the gift of eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we want to leave a different people Because now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Father, love through us. Lord, Lord, let love control us. Let that fruit of the Spirit abound in our hearts. Thank you for this. Thank you for this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, feel like you needed that this morning, amen? Amen, we need that. Hey, do you know that's the starting point in Christian life? 
And really, that's, 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 that's the apex of spiritual maturity. We're to add into our faith virtue and virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance and temperance godliness. And godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness charity. We need to add and build. Add and build. Thank you, Dr. Gibbs, for that. I wonder, did you want to say something about the...